Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 2 Samuel chapter 18, and today's title is Victory Doesn't Look Like the Movies. <laughs> Victory Doesn't Look Like the Movies. I don't know about you. I love watching movies. I'm also one of those people that like superhero movies. I know some people don't. I love superhero movies. One of the things I love about them is because they aren't remotely related to reality. <laughs> Not only but the fact that you've got superheroes doing superhero things, but at the end of the day, everything ends up perfectly. The good guy wins. The bad guy is completely vanquished. Everybody knows who the good guy is. Everybody knows who the bad guy is. It's just simple, neat, and easy. I don't know about you. The longer I live in this life, I realize that most things are not that simple and easy. We're going to see that today. As God brings a great victory in the life of David, he ends up taking care of business. It's not quite what you might think. We're going to get that in just a moment. But if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on the podcast. Let us know if you're a YouTube listener. If you like our background, if you got any ideas for us, we're going to be finishing up the last part that's going to require this book right here. And if you're watching on the YouTube, it's kind of a kind of a little, little idea there behind a book for you to look at and, and maybe as a resource for you. And as always, we're gathering together at the Facebook group, Bible Breakdown Discussion. The more we dig, the more we find. And if you have your Bibles, you want to open up, up with me to 1 Samuel, or excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 18. This is going to begin to be kind of the ending arc. There's a couple more chapters, but the ending arc of the rebellion of Absalom. All of this is happening, and if it kind of catch you up, Absalom is trying to take over David's kingdom. And he has gotten this advice. It's the, it's the wrong advice, but the advice is to gather all of the nation, all of the armies of the nation, and bring them together and to come out against David, against full force and with Absalom leading the charge. Well, that's what he's about to do. And it turns out to be the wrong advice because David is a ninja, right? He is known to be one of the greatest warriors. And we're about to find out why. <laughs> Because David knows exactly what he's doing. And so what's going to happen is, it ain't going to end out easy. But what I want you to see in this is if we're not careful, when we, when we watch movies, and I love movies, so I'm not talking bad about them. When we watch movies, what we do is we get this idea. And slowly, these fictional stories start to paint for us a picture that we think is reality. And that is, at the end of the day, good versus evil is clear cut and easy. You know, the bad guys always lose. The good guys always win. It's very cookie cutter and easy. What you're going to see here is it's seldom that way, that the only perfectly good thing in life is Jesus. Only God is perfect. When we live in this world of pain and with broken people, it's never quite as easy as we think it is. It's never quite as clean and it's never without pain, even in victory. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read this and we're going to see how God works in amazing victory, but even out of it, there's mixed emotions of what comes out on the other side. And that'll help us process some of the things that we go through in our life. So if you're ready, 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, it says this. Now, David mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing one group under Joab, one under Joab's brother Abishai, the son of Zariah, and one under Etai, the man from Gath. The king told his troops, I am going with you. But the, his men objected strongly. 
You must not go, they urged. If you have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it is better for you to stay in the town and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it, the king answered. So he stood alongside the gate of the town as all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and thousands. The king gave this command to Joab, Abashai, and Ataiah. For my sake, deal gently with the young Absalom. For all the troops heard the king give this order to the commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men lay down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. And so what we see is a civil war is happening. Those who are with Absalom and those who are with David's men. And it says that more died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. And so what we can see is there's also all these topography type of situations that were there that was causing all kinds. It was just chaos. It was chaos that was happening everywhere as the nation was fighting for control. Verse 9, during the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule, but as he rode beneath the thicket, the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in a tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. Oh, Lord. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I just saw Absalom dangling, dangling from a great tree. What? Joab demanded. You saw him there and didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with 10 pieces of silver and a hero's belt. Oh, no, 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 no. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver, the man replied. We all heard the king say to you and Abishai and Ataya, for my sake, please spare young Absalom. If I had betrayed the king by killing his son, the king would certainly find out who did it, and you yourself would be the first one to abandon me. <laughs> Sounds like this guy knows what's up. All right, verse 14. Enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled, still alive, in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn and the men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it. And all Israel fled to their homes. During his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to carry on my name. He named that monument after himself and is known as Absalom's monument to this day. So, as we can see, first of all, can we just acknowledge that's an embarrassing way to die. Joker's got so much hair that as he is trying to escape, his hair gets caught in a tree. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You got to have the 1980s frizzy hair. There's no telling how much hairspray. <laughs> well, they didn't have hairspray back then, but if there was, there's no telling how much hairspray was in that hair for him to get that thing frizzed up so they got caught in a tree limb. And then this guy who found him knew what was up. He knew. Joab was going to throw him under that bus and back over him as quick as he could. So he went and told Joab, I'm not going to do it. But just so you know, Absalom's stuck in a tree. Joab goes and kills the fool. And then they throw him into a ditch, throw him into a ravine, and they kill him. Exactly what David asked them not to do. But it was 
what needed to be done. Verse 19, then Zadok's son, Ahimaaz, said, let me run to the king with the good news, but the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. No, Joab told him, it wouldn't be good news to tell the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger another time, not today. Then Joab said to a man from Ethiopia, hey, buddy, why don't you go tell the king what you have seen? The man bowed and ran off. But Ahimaaz continued to plead with Joab. Whatever happens, please let me go too. Why should you go, my son? Joab replied. There is no reward for this news. Yes, but let me go anyway, he begged. Now, Joab finally said, all right, go ahead. So Ahimaaz took the less demanding route by way of the plain and ran to Mahamriam ahead of the Ethiopian. While David was sitting between the inner and the outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway of the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running toward them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, If he is alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running toward him, and he shouted down, Here comes another one. The king replied, He also will have news. The first man runs like Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, the watchman said. He is a good man, and he comes with good news, the king replied. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, Everything is all right. And he bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise the Lord your God, who has handed over the rebels who dare to stand against my lord the king. What about the young man Absalom, the king demanded? Is he all right? Ahimaaz replied, When Joab told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I didn't know what was happening, which means... He lied because he did know what happened. Verse 30, wait here, the king told him. So Ahimaaz stepped aside. Verse 31, when the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news for you, my lord, the king. Today, the Lord has rescued you from all who rebelled against you. What about the young Absalom? The king demanded. Is he all right? The Ethiopian replied, may all of your enemies, my lord, the king, both now and in the future, share the man's young fate, the young man's fate. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Wow. Can you imagine the bitter sweetness of it all? to finally realize that the possibility of the civil war could be over because the one that they had rallied around was now dead. The problem was the one they rallied around was your son. And that, to me, is a story we need to hear because here's why. It's because many times I have walked with people and they've walked with people through very difficult seasons, through very difficult circumstances. And on the other side, they can't hardly celebrate because it wasn't free. It wasn't easy. It cost them something. And sometimes because we watch movies and watch things, we think that unless it is a clean and easy victory, that we must have done something wrong. But the reality is, that's not life. The reality is, is when you go through difficult situations, it doesn't always salvage the relationship. You may find forgiveness, but maybe not restoration. You work through a difficult season at your job, you may keep your integrity but you might lose your job. You may get healed of a sickness, but you might not have full health restored. Because in this world, 
Jesus promised, you will have trouble. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. And I just want to offer encouragement. I've talked to people sometimes before who said, I really thought that getting the promotion would feel different. I really thought that working through that problem would feel different. I really thought. And we have to tell them, that's because what you thought isn't reality. And that is that everybody has a private battle that nobody else knows about. And when you come out on the other side, you're different. You're changed. You're a little wiser. You no longer see enemies as just enemies. You see enemies as people. You see them as broken, just like you were. You have a little bit more clarity on what's going on. And that's part of why when bad times come, God doesn't always stop them at the door. It's not at all to ever punish you. It's not at all to stop you from being everything he's called you to be. Sometimes it is so that he can continue to grow you because God is more interested in your character than your comfort. But what you can never, ever do is to stop trusting in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that comes into your life that's bad, God sent. That's not, that doesn't mean that at all. It just means sometimes God will use things always for your good. Never forget the verse. God causes all things to work together to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you never stop working on us and you use everything in our life to bring about your good and your good purposes. Thank you, God, for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God's word says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. That's what God wants for us, is he wants an everlasting, eternal relationship between us and him. God is for us more than we can imagine. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 2 Samuel chapter 19.